Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. That's right. It is 2022. Maybe I'll release this on time. Maybe I won't because we have like at least 10 or 15 other episodes I need to edit. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> this is One Media, One Media. I am Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. And today we're going to Go back to one of our favorite animes and one of my actually most listened to albums of 2021. But we're going to start off with Agretzko Season 4. Let's see here. I have some information. It was released December 16th of 2021, which is pretty amazing that we watched it so quickly, but we had to actually. Look at us. Yeah, I know. On top of (laughs) If you want to listen to our original one, it's somewhere in in 2021. I don't know which episode it is exactly, or if I even released it yet. (laughs) I hope so. It did make make my list for top five in 2021. Right. And we also did a Christmas special. I think the the last one before our year in review was Mm -hmm. the Christmas special. Yeah, which kind of foreshadows our feelings about season four. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so it's episode... Oh my God, this is too funny. I'm looking at it right now. This was no foreshadowing or planned ahead or anything. Episode 19 is a Gretzko and PJ Harvey bringing you my love. (laughs) Oh, and this is... We're revisiting Agretzko and <laughs> again. That's awesome. That was unplanned. For some reason, we connect these two, these two pieces on people. One's an animation and one's an album. You know, like we connect these two pieces of media. We don't know why, but they no are connected. Clue why. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so let's see. We already mentioned the release, so mm-hmm. I guess we should just go over the whole entire plot first. In To me, it seems like season three really wrapped it up really nice, and it felt like everything was wrapped up or tied up in this nice bow, and then it kind of feels like it just goes back to Haida still liking Retzko and not knowing what to do, and that was like the whole entire first and second half of the episodes with, you know, some other plots going on. Yeah, but it was real focus in the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I really wanted to like reach out across the screen and just slap Haida around. Yeah, 
it, it wasn't like it wasn't like fun it were enjoyable to watch that it was like why are you dusting this off i mean maybe that's the point but i was so pissed off man i was so angry at haida maybe <laughs> this was. is like what it's supposed to exert that you're like what the f-? he pretty much admitted that he was in love with her at the end of season three mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it then you know what <laughs> yeah, we're on season four. They know we're that. Like, stop this. Go watch it. Catch up. Each episode's like eleven minutes, so you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go catch up. It only takes an hour at the most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. He did reveal his feelings, and then you start season four with it kind of being back at the beginning again. Yeah. Once again, I felt like I was just watching that Christmas episode, going like, "What the? F-? Yeah, like why? Like yeah, what are why? we doing here? It just felt." tired i didn't care about that plot line there's another plot line around work that was different but even that one like at one point <laughs> at one point and i'm gonna just is all spoilers at one point they're talking to but wait wait before know, we do all oh, that God, yeah. wait, let's, let's get a little bit more into their relationship <laughs> oh. because okay so the whole entire thing is like haida is still under retzko Mm-hmm. And then Fenico and Sonata, uh, oh, oh, what Sonoda, which is the deer and the other character I can't remember her name, are always trying to help out Haida. Yes, they really want Retsuko and Haida to be together. Seems which like. I don't understand why. To me, it just kind of pisses me off even more. And you know, Haida is pretty much going to get what he wants, but he always sees Retsuko in this one way where she's just too unattainable or something like that. Or she's up on this one pedestal where he can't ever get her, even though she's invited him to hang out and do all this other sh- They've been friends for years, so yeah. it's very confusing to me. <laughs> you know, like, that's what bothers me about them. It's like, we're on season four. You've worked together every day of your lives for the last, I don't know how long. You've been friends outside of work. And yet he's still like so tongue tied around her. And then, and she's no better. Like she's still like waiting for him to do something and being passive about it. And that bothers me too. Cause it's like, I can't even tell if she likes him. Like, I still don't know. I'm like, does she even like him? Yes, I think so. Well, anyway, that. That's what I mean. It's irritating. It's like yeah. And then to me, the girl that he should have been with was that uh, that one blonde dog. Yes. Like I thought they were perfect. They were into the same music. They were very mellow together. But yeah, she was chill. Yeah, but Haida likes the crazy girls. Hmm. Well, Foreshadowing <laughs> for my own life. <laughs> 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 why it's making you so frustrated <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe this is why like uh, yeah exactly <laughs> so i see maybe too much of myself in haida so you're like come on <laughs> come on <laughs> go with the one that's like, cool yeah no but it's true so i don't know i just found that difficult that they had such a block communicating to one another when they've known each other that long and that I don't feel like Red Skull is taking full ownership of herself to be like, hey, like, let me break the ice or whatever. Like, I don't know why she gets so tongue tied and mad. At well, him. she tried a couple times and then he would just run away. 
And that's what was really irritating. She's like, you want to hang out, have some tea? Hint, hint. She did try to like open the door. Like, hey, yeah. And then he wouldn't. Yeah, I guess he was giving her weird signals. So she was like, what the... Yeah, like what's going on? Like, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Yeah, I could see she got mad about that. Yeah, and it's understandable. (laughs) Yeah, I just... Yeah, it just was... I just wanted them to just... And then how did they resolve it? It just like skipped to them being fine. Well, there's that tense moment at the door where she finally just kind of goes like, Hey, yeah. I want to see where this might go or something. But to me, it just was like really unsatisfying. Like it was like a super unsatisfying scene. Cause none of the feelings you don't get to witness them actually communicate. And then all of a sudden it's like, la 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 la. And it's like, it just doesn't feel real. I know this is a cartoon, like an anime. It didn't make, I don't know. It was just unsatisfying. Yeah, they were in this honeymoon phase while the where they're working was going to Yeah, so then that's the other plot. So the whole company is going... So uh, it's Chachu uh, uh, or something. Chacho, the old CEO or president. In the translation, in the subs, it's, they call him the president, not the CEO. Mm-hmm. I don't get that part either, but in the dubs, they call him the CEO. He retires because he realizes he's getting too old. So they bring in this new guy, Himaru, Himaru, mm-hmm. and he was the advisor in a way before he became the new CEO and president. It seemed like he had a lot of good ideas and everything, but there was some problem. He was kind of pushing out the old guard. Yeah, he really wanted to push forward like technology and like moving forward and like the future kind of vibes. So at first it feels really great because you're like, yeah, but then it's like mm, too much, like overcorrection, maybe <laughs> the old ways. Yeah, exactly. And it got to this point. Well, okay, so basically director Tan, which he was the director of the accounting part. They do this a lot in Japan too, like especially in the video game industry and in different industries such as the corporation that they were working for. Which, come to think of it, I don't know what they do. Yeah, right. I was just thinking that. It's like, what do they do? We just know the accounting department. And um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> but if you fuck up in a Japanese company, they do give you the opportunity to either quit or whatever, or they'll. St- push you to some corner in some like weird storage room until you quit. There is a storage room situation. That's it's a real. very, very common practice. Wow. Cause they did say in one of the episodes that it's imp- almost impossible to fire an employee in Japan. So it's like, so I'm like, Oh, are they all like union basically? Like, so it's like, makes it real difficult. So then they just kind of like shove people aside like, okay, we'll pay you, but get out of our way. Which is really, really sad. That happened to Director Tone. Though he's been like kind of the bad guy in it, everything because he's just been really like a tough boss. But yeah, you notice like, oh, he got like a really nice character arc happening. Like they decided to give him a little bit more depth to his character, like who he is, like how he came up in that company, that he has a good work ethic and like loyalty. So that was kind of interesting to see. That was like more interesting than the Retsuko Haida relationship drama. <laughs> they could have easily focused on director Ton more and just had a little bit more of that versus the stupid other that we got, like the Haida Retsuko. And so with the shifting 
company stuff, Haida gets kind of like, gets really motivated for once in his life because he's kind of a slacker normally, but he got really motivated to share his ideas and work harder. Yeah. And a lot of that is because director Tone is very, very old school. He still uses the, I can't remember what they call abacus. it. He still uses an abacus. So whenever Haida would go, hey, I created the software, whatever, he would just go, yeah, whatever, just push it to the side. Where the new CEO and president kind of discovered that he was doing his work quicker and how did he do it and everything. And then Haida kind of showed him how he made the software and it would make the actual business and the company more efficient. He ended up taking Director Tone's gig. Well, first it got given to that other person and then... And then Haida. So yeah, so Haida started climbing the corporate ladder and like working late nights and getting really tense and like going to the gym afterwards and becoming close with the new executive who at first you like, but then you, I don't know, at first he's kind of appealing. You're like, oh, maybe he'll be better for everything. But then he did use Retsko complaints about director tone. There is two ways he did that. Right? Too. Like wasn't he kind of because he wanted to push him out. So he like kind of utilized some complaints and things out of context. Yeah, he did that. And then he pretty much told Haida that you need to do something or else we're going to lose more staff. Yeah, so he was really manipulative. Yes. I didn't like how that character who I, I liked before, she's, you know, she's the bird Oh, woman yeah, with the bird, yeah. right? right. Her, she was like his secretary or something. And I was like confused by that too. I was like, and she's like making him tea. I was like, what? Like, I thought she was more high powered than that. Well, that's what weird. she did for the other CEO too. Okay. Like, I just thought, I didn't realize that's what her role was. I thought she was more involved than just making. Yeah, she might be, but she's just like kind of sitting back and watching go on or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So that was kind of. Odd as well. Yeah, and I, I felt bad for like Kabe, which is the the. Yes, I felt hippo. really bad for her, the hippo. I hated that because it was super sad. They wanted to lay off more people, but like you said, it's really hard to do that. So then they were like, "Hey, you've been here for a while. Don't you want to retire?" And it's like, "What? She doesn't really want to leave." And then they're like, "She had some issues with her child being sick." And they're like, don't you want to stay home and be a mom? And I was like, this is like real life. This is what they do to women in the workplace, especially or people who have children. They just make you feel guilty for having a life outside of work that you're not dedicated enough. And then they make you feel bad that you're a bad parent on top of it to manipulate you (laughs) out of the workforce. And it's just, it was just, that's when I had to pause because I was like, oh my God, too close to like real life. (laughs) Like, it is pretty it's real. It's dark. It is. And just think like right now, I've just been, um, you know, like, I don't know, like with my other job, it's like I'm more in contact with people like this who are struggling with COVID and the pandemic and the kids being at home and trying to keep their jobs. And they're like, oh, my job's flexible because I can just take care of my kids during the day. You know, if I need to take care of my kids or pick them up from school, then I can just sign on later at night to finish my work. And I'm like, what? how is that flexible? Like, I get That's like, it's flexible. great. You can keep the job, but then these people are not sleeping because they're like trying to take care of the kids, trying to work all day, working at night to finish up whatever they didn't finish during the day. It's like so stressful. So it made me feel really sad. <laughs> it's like, oh. Well, maybe it is exerting these emotions that we were supposed to have while watching this or something. I watched for escapism. There was not enough metal. <laughs> like there was not enough metal, like karaoke. 
severely lacking in this season. I don't understand why. Oh, I do kind of understand. So there are other arcs in there. There are storylines kind of in yeah. there. That are- Tone and Retsko create a new relationship outside of work, which is kind of cool. Because which is she really cool. feels really guilty when she finds because nobody knows where he went. They thought he got transferred to this cool other department. So everyone's like, oh, okay, he's a director over there. It started leaking out that he's not really there unhappy and then that Retsuko felt really guilty and everybody's like you don't need to feel guilty you know but it's like, like yeah she does she doesn't because she got manipulated but she doesn't like to leave things like that so she's going to try her best to help people out so they end up kind of I think that was kind of a cool way because you know he still calls her calendar or short timer yeah but there is obviously more love there now right, <laughs> Which right. Is nice. and uh, <laughs> It's strange because, like, the way they wrapped it up, yes, it's a cartoon, yes, it's an anime, so they have to kind of wrap it up in a certain way, but I still didn't like it much, but at the same time, I kind of get it, but it's just... (sighs) I just didn't like, one, I didn't like Retsuko's and Hayata's relationship and all the secrets they had and how they could never communicate fully. And I was like, this is a bad relationship. They should both get out. And like all the going behind each other's backs about stuff. I did not like any of that, even on Retsuko's well, side. she did confront him at the end. At the end. And she lied. And he caught her in that lie. Never, and he never spoke up that he caught her in a lie. So it just really bothered me. That was like really frustrating. And then I also didn't like at the end where it was like, oh, and this is obviously all spoilers. Like they're like, oh, the, the old CEO's back. And I'm like, okay, yeah. the old way really wasn't working and the new way wasn't working. So we need another option, not just like, oh, just go back to how it was. I was like, that sucks. Like I did not like that either. <laughs> I was like, no, I know. I yeah, I didn't agree with it either. Don't get me wrong. It was no, just something. It was just kind of weird. All yeah. around season four, better writers. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, come on. It is Sanrio, but still, <laughs> the first to me, the first two seasons were amazing. And mm-hmm. wait, was the second one where she was dating the Steve Jobs kind of guy? Maybe, or was and then the she becomes one? an idol. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought the third one was pretty good then too, but I was starting to see the cracks in this whole entire. Yeah, um, ever since the Christmas episode, we started by like, hmm, like yeah. this isn't. I feel like they want something different, but for me, I want it to be like way the house has been. Use the same gag. Like I'm <laughs> fine with her just getting pissed and doing karaoke rage style. Like that is fine. Like you don't have to get deeper or different or anything. Like stay in your kind of like realm like it they pushed it in all these weird ways and i was like mm, i want <laughs> that's true <laughs> does that make sense like they're trying to get more than what it maybe needs to be <laughs> i agree with you on that fully so it wasn't as satisfying to watch i reckon i still will always love agretzko though well, if you already watched like the first three episodes in the crystal special i mean of course, gonna watch. You just gotta this. watch it. Yeah, you, gotta, you gotta watch it. So. <laughs> but don't start with season four if you've never watched any of it. Start with season one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, season one definitely does kind of suck you in and it make does. you appreciate it's really it. Good. For and what I even like the first episode of season four because that the personal trainer is in there yelling protein well, at her. Okay, so the good. first like three minutes of season one was good awesome. until like Haida comes in with his little emo, <laughs> and then Ugh. yeah. 
and then there there goes the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have brought back some of the gags. Like, I don't think it would have been a bad thing. I feel like they're pushing too hard to get different. I'm like, don't. You have a perfect formula to make me laugh. You know? Yeah, totally. Like, why can't the... What's her name about Kaibe? Like, it's like, there should have been a song about that, a metal song about how unfair mothers are treated in the workforce. <laughs> like, I need the rage expressed. I need rage expressed. <laughs> like, not just built up inside where I'm like, ah, oh, like, I'm mad. <laughs> and once again, like the Christmas episode, the metal was just shoot in. Yes. Uh. It's such a key element. That they, That's yeah, so, the important mm, part, so if they do a season five, they better like go back to season one and go from there. Ah, like, you God. know, like go back to the same template, but I don't know. I hope there's no other season <laughs> unless they take a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like do something new, like create new characters or something. Like, I'm good after yeah. this one. You're she could have just been a pop idol and I would have been fine with that. <gasps> Me too. I was sad she left that world. <laughs> yeah. That was <laughs> funny. But, oh well. Anyway, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're Storygram Network. That's right. And we are back and we're going to talk about PJ Harvey, Let England Shake. This was my most listened to album, according to Spotify. I was a little bit surprised about that. I wasn't. You went through a very PJ Harvey moment last year. It's now 2022, so I can say that one day in. What I forget what sparked it, but I know I, at least I really liked that video. I saw a video of PJ Harvey in yes. New York doing the Rolling Stones song live. I can't get no satisfaction. So good, right? one of my favorites. And then down the rabbit hole, Takeshi went PJ Harvey land. So I, <laughs> I'm not surprised it's one of your most listened to albums. But I didn't know you were listening to the albums. Actually, I thought you were just mostly watching the videos. Because her life, you like her live stuff so much. Her live stuff's like a lot better because she just does so much different stuff in general. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was songs that maketh murder. I was just looking up PJ Harvey and because I was listening to the album we did a deep dive on last year. I listened to this thing and I was like watching her perform and she has like this beautiful white dress with this crazy like is it called a headdress or yeah, like some sort of headpiece. Yeah, with like feathers, like just flying off of it. And, and I was listening to the song and I was like, holy, this is more goth than some 
I've heard in a long time. And this is so amazing. And it was so amazing that I was just like repeating it nonstop on YouTube. And then I listened to the album version. I was like, ah, this one's not as good, but it's still good. It sounds like way more stale to me comparatively to the live version. And that's pretty impressive to me for someone to do that because I'm really into studio recordings. But yeah, and I guess somehow when I was driving around, I'd always always listening to PJ Harvey, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and this album in particular. This album in particular. Yes. And when did this one come out? Okay, so it was released February 14th of 2011. We should have had this on a Valentine's Day thing. Okay. Anyway, it was recorded from April and May of 2010. The studio that they like recorded it at for like a month or so was recorded at a church in the UK. It's the St. Peter's Church. Must be nice. It was actually constructed or made or whatever you want to call it in 1865. It's a crazy looking little church too. Wow. Yeah. So do you think it's because of the acoustics or something? Uh, probably the acoustics. And, you know, artists are sometimes like they like the vibe and all this other. <laughs> Why isn't PJ Harvey in our Gothtober? <laughs> to me, like words that maketh murder is so like, wow, it's deep. And, you know, when I listened to the album, like, Let England Shake, I thought it was about the England thing and Brexit and the protest against Brexit. Everybody look up Brexit if you don't know what it is. Remember that? Yeah, remember that. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I was very surprised about that, too. So it was produced by Flood, Mick Harvey, John Parrish, and PJ Harvey. Mick Harvey is not related to PJ Harvey. I think I said this before, but I looked up Mick Harvey because I just thought he was some random musician. No, he's not. Who is he? (laughs) This guy. What band do you think he was in before? I don't know. Bands. Let's see here. I'll let you know. These Immortal Souls, The Crime and City Solution. The birthday party. What? And oh, that Nick makes Cave sense. and the Bad Seeds and the Boys Next Door. Because PJ and Nick, Nick Cave, Cave worked together. They dated and they worked together. So yeah. that was the kind of so, the connection. Cool. Yeah. So he's a multi instrumentalist. He sings, plays guitar, wow. bass, piano, organ, xylophone. Uh, he does a a little bit of everything, harmonica. And then the other guy, John Parrish, who is also pretty amazing. He's like this incredible guitarist. So he joined PJ Harvey in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then Flood, of course, is one of my favorite producers in the whole entire world. And so it makes sense why this sounds as good as it does. They had three singles, of course, Words That Maketh Murder, Oh Glorious Land, and Written on the Forehand, Forehead. <laughs> Whips. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty cool that they did record this at a church. It was actually, it received quite a few accolades. It was album of the year in 16 different publications, including it got the coveted Mercury Prize, 
One thing that was pretty unique about it is she used this thing called an auto harp. I don't know if you know what an auto harp is. It's like this instrument with like at least like 50 or 60 strings on it. And mm-hmm. you can like press these buttons and it'll play chords and you strum it. She was using it for solo work whenever she played like a solo gig. I'm sure she just played out some coffee shop because she's like pj harvey shows up with her auto (laughs) and she was just playing and this so pj harvey to do like that too and so she was so like amazed with the sounds to her it sounded like it was a whole entire orchestra of like strings going on at the same time but she was just striving it and she was really super into it i'm really intrigued about this thing now (laughs) (laughs) that's what you are gonna get for the new year (laughs) probably you never know yes send Takeshi an auto harp yeah if anybody wants to send me an auto harp with uh, (laughs) a quarter inch in so I can plug it into an amp I'd be more than down you can just go ahead and give it to me I'm okay with it an auto harp was invented by Charles F. Zimmerman. He was awarded the patent in 1882. So, does it show up in this album a lot? Yes. So, you'll be able to point it out when we start playing the songs because that'll be good. To it's the point first out. thing you hear in Words That Maketh Murder. Okay, cool. We're definitely going to play that song. So, uh, yeah, definitely. It's like, my, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite songs. And so, okay. We're not done yet. (laughs) She cited her poetry for inspirations for lyrics and stuff was artwork by Salvador Dali, Francisco de Goya, The Doors, The Pogues, Harold Pinter, and T.S. Elliott, Velvet Underground, Stanley Kubrick. So she was like just taking this all in. She was also reading like modern day testimonies by civilians and soldiers in the Iraq and Afghanistan war. And so you do kind of hear that in there. I was always thinking like, okay, this is about Brexit, but obviously it's not. So she was taking the role of the narrator mm-hmm. and she was like kind of telling stories. And then most of the time she has like this really kind of large booming voice. And in this one, she realized that that wasn't working with the music. So she chose to have kind of a more like higher pitched, daintier voice is the only way I could explain it. So if you compare this one to the first album that we listened to last year, her voice is completely different. Yes, definitely. That's why. So, yeah, I mean... I like most of the songs on here. There is one song that drives me insane because you could hear this tambourine that's really high on the right <laughs> side. And it gives me like a f- headache. I don't know why they use that tambourine because it sounds perfectly fine live when they don't use it. They're like, you're like, can I get the tambourine free version of yes. this? I want to say that I'm just getting started on this album. I've listened to it a few times. But I want to give it more time. Like just the first song, I just was hooked. Like I was like, oh. Yes, you get PJ Harvey. (laughs) Because the other album we, I'm not going to remember the name of it. I have to look it up. That we looked at and like kind of like really studied. It was like hit or miss for me. And this one, it feels more solid, like a real solid album and theme and sound. And versus the other one just had a couple of singles I liked off of it, but I didn't like it as a whole, I think. It was called Bring You My Love. That was her yes. first album or her first like 
pretty big. Well, yeah, that was her first big album. Yeah. So this one, but I just like appreciated that. I appreciated like just you mentioning like she shifted her voice to fit with the music and then trying to dominate it in like weird ways. Like, so it was a really thoughtful album. She captured like a really interesting mood and of that time period, even because this came out in like 2011. I was like, oh, it reminds me kind of of like bats for lashes who's also i think based out of england during that time period there's like a mutedness but it's dark like like kind of tone to the music it reminded me and in no way people will be like the no way but there's a recipe tina quality in the fact that she was like you said storytelling so that made me really like it as well so there's all these cool elements then I'm really happy to keep listening. I'm like excited to, it will be my most listened to album for 20. You never know. It might be. <laughs> Ever since I realized I listened to it much, now I listen to it more. <laughs> You're like, hey, I did like this. I can't remember what mine was. I have to refine You said my it was up. Beck or something like that. Is this your most... Uh, kind of like binge listened to that's I like i forgot what they called so. it yeah mellow gold was like my most like kind of like binged album that i listened to on a whole so maybe yeah so this is your version of that is this Definitely. yeah this is gonna probably replace mellow gold for me this year yeah i was always trying to get you into this album but you're like oh okay i yeah, was resistant you're pretty resistant it was so like eh, like about the other one so um, I also live with someone who's not a big PJ Harvey fan for no particular reason. So what? I think I then don't feel as comfortable <laughs> like it. Whatever. So, <laughs> but even he had to admit this was, he's like, well, who are you listening to? It's like, he says, is this PJ Harvey? Well, yeah. He's like, oh, I can see why you like it. That's the most compliment <laughs> I'll get for her. I don't know why, but you know, some people have a thing against somebody for some reason, but I'm like, no, it's so good. I really have fallen in love with her. Not that I wasn't before, but now I like, truly like a fan yeah it's definitely like what made me like a super fan <laughs> yeah so i totally get it now well so. i get the whole entire like maybe bias against pj Harvey because like she was with nick cave and for me at first i was like she's kind of freaky she's got a big old head and she needs to <laughs> eat something and she looks it's a little a- emaciated and- that's true oh the other thing i wanted to to say was like, this is one of those albums I'm so happy to listen to. It made me so happy. And I was like, this is like, I hope everybody has a friend like Takeshi in their life who offers them like music that you love. Like, I'm like, it's such a cool thing. So I just also want to thank you for finding this album and being like, you should listen to this. We should do this. It's like, okay. And then <laughs> yeah. it's like such a gift. So I was yeah, just yeah. super, it made I kinda... me really happy about our friendship. <laughs> I was like, this is so cool to be a friend this long and how many albums uh, we can connect on. So this is a good I was like, oh, I hope too. people get that from us. Like they can deep dive into this and then join our PJ Harvey. yeah totally that's the thing too like i even threw it in there when i was texting you on facebook i was like you know what we should listen to my most listened to album of 2021 but i didn't tell you who it was yeah and i was like what is it okay and that's the other thing i really like listening to people's favorite music because it's like what do they hear you know and then it's exciting to hear what they hear like it's like oh this is what they're really excited about or i don't know so that's really fun so i hope people can take that from this too like why we offer these recommendations out in our deep dives Definitely. So it's kind of interesting. One song I do love on here too is uh, The Last Living Rose, but it's definitely like a coffee shop song. Like I definitely see it at a coffee shop or something, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like, it's so like... 
different from what you normally would think you would like, maybe. Yeah, but when she plays it, it's really good. And even actually watching her play the song live, it's like a lot better. It's That's my so next move. Weird. My next move is to we should have a um we should have like a little um or maybe you should have it on your YouTube channel or something. <laughs> I you know like the videos. I want to do that next. I need to find them. Because I really want to watch the one you said where she's wearing that crazy dress and the headdress and all that. Like, I need to see that. There's these other live things that she does where she has two drummers, but they're not regular drummers. Like Rasputina kind of tries to pull off here and there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it... It's good, and other times it's not. Where the two drummers, like they have a, like a marching snare, and they're playing it, but then they're hitting this big old bass drum, and they're kind of like alternating hitting the bass drum because they have the two different kits and everything. And because the bass drum is not like a regular kick, so it exerts all this bass, like an 808 sound. So that's actually really super cool too. Yeah, like the it's interesting. Yeah, so to see like it live and the different types of musicians she's bringing in. Yeah, so it's pretty impressive the way she's doing it because to me, she's like a Bjork like character. Where yes, that's the other vibe I got. Some Bjork kind of, but like I said, like it's very her, but it's like she brings in these elements I like elsewhere too, and like makes this really cool. Album. Yeah. How can I explain Bjork? Because I was a, really a big fan of Bjork and I always pushed PJ Harvey to the side because I was more into Bjork at the time. And for me, it seemed like after a certain point, Bjork just didn't do it for me anymore. She was just off doing some really weird shit. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, you lost me here. And so I had to kind of move on from Bjork. And I listened to Bjork's older stuff and I love it and all, but I could tell that listening to now, she was going to lose her voice sooner or later because she was very untrained. And it's painful to listen to her sing sometimes because you know she's going to lose her voice, which happened in 2012. And she had to get uh. surgery and her voice has never been the same since. Oh, that makes sense. Because, yeah, you do have to, I don't know, I was just looking at stuff about singing and how it's like, yeah, there's all these muscles. And if you're not doing the right exercises and stuff, you're right, people are just like blowing their voices out. And you're going to stress your voice out and all of a sudden you're going to have to get surgery or figure something out. But back then they said you needed surgery. And so she had well, you to have to rest surgery. for months or even a year. So maybe that's why you do surgery. Yeah. And she went on a big like tour and all of a sudden she lost her voice and they realized she had a palate in there and they had to like remove it. I can't remember exactly, but she's never been the same. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with like the surgery, the fact that she was very untrained. And like I even sent some making of Homogenic, which is my favorite album by Bjork. And they had some stuff of her singing in the studio with the choir. And I sent it to this vocal coach I know who's very well known in the industry. And I was like, listening to her makes my ears hurt because I could tell she's going to lose her voice sooner or later. And she played it because I sent her the video. She's like, you're right. I can't listen to it either. That's so sad. You think 
like the label would be more attentive to something like that. Knowing like someone's an artist, be like, okay, we're going to get you a coach. (laughs) Some people aren't like Mike Patton. They just think, okay, it's just raw talent. Yeah. A lot of people think singing's like, and people do have a natural ability to sing, but like they probably have the right muscles developed or something. Like if you don't maintain it, it's not going to last right it's like being like really good at running at first like maybe you're fast but it's like if you don't maintain it if you keep doing marathons and stuff yeah yeah mike patton is like the only super freak i know that's just how it is (laughs) when we don't know what his routine is he could be very you know meticulous not speak all week or something we don't know what he's doing (laughs) he could be doing lots of different exercises and things like that there's some broadway singers that are like him like you know like their range is so amazing and they have really powerful voices too. And I'm sure there's Broadway singers that burn out and some that don't. Exactly. So anyway, let's tangent. go back. Yeah, that was a little tangent there. But with PJ Harvey, you could tell that she kept it up. She didn't stress out her voice too much. She either had a booming voice or with this new variation of what she's doing. And I'm happy for her. <laughs> and I think what you're at one point trying to say is like, there's something similar about them, even though it doesn't seem like it. There's like this little bit of magic or uniqueness about each of those artists that you like. Um, and they kind of create a world in some ways. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to play words that maketh murder. because Yes, we talked about a million times. So yeah. I'll try to share the screen with you so you can see... Oh, this is the life one. super cool it is and there's a and she had her auto harp in that video we'll have to like link it or something maybe on instagram or something but um i don't know something about that music there's some sort of vintage vibe to it too i think that makes it really appealing and it's almost upbeat but it's also dark all at the same time (laughs) right it's so weird and the headdress whatever she's wearing is really cool 
She's really hip on headdresses right now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, ever since 2011? Oh, that was like a while ago, right? <laughs> yeah, and she still wears them though. Oh, I have to keep watching. That'll be fun. Oh. Yeah, she needs to make a mix, a uh, PJ Harvey video mix for us. I liked the first song on the album. I think it's such a great introduction to the album. Oh yeah, that one's a good one. That's a good song too. Yeah, it's like it's just it's a that's the album. Like you know, like they took that song and then that's I think the album's so good. Right. This other one, I can't remember the name of it. Part of me wants to hear the one with the tambourine in it because I don't listen to it on headphones, so I'm like, <laughs> one with the tambourine. I think it's Oh Glorious Land. <laughs> funny and then what's your coffee shop song <laughs> oh you mean the coffee shop song it's and when that one what's that one it's the last living rose oh is that it <laughs> yeah that one's really good too <laughs> yeah we could just go through this album and go okay I this know. one's good i really do like this album so i want to play on battleship hill this one's really good too
That's such a good song. It is. Who's the guy voice on her? I on believe that's uh, it's either John Parrish or the other guy. It's not the Harvey guy. Yeah, it might be him. It might be John Parrish or I know that like John Parrish has his own stuff out and PJ Harvey usually sings with him. Okay, so they do some collaboration too. Yeah, so No, it's nice though. It sounds really good. Even have a song with just him. Mhm. And it's kind of funny because it's the least listened to song or least played song on the album. Because <laughs> people want to hear her. <laughs> like all right. the other songs, the most is 10 million, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to that one song is 120,000. Four listens. <laughs> <laughs> 120,000, which okay. is so bad. That's so funny Compared though. To, yeah. But it's true because you're like, where did she go? <laughs> like, where did she go? You don't expect... Her not to be on a song, so. Well, you know, she's playing the instruments, too. I know, but you like her voice. Yeah, yeah. I think the only one I couldn't listen to, I don't know if it's like the third or fourth song, but there's like a repeated horn sound. Yeah, so the glorious land. Yeah. (laughs) I think I get tired of that halfway through. Yeah. That's the only song. I don't hate it. It's just like it starts. The horn song you're talking about, I think, is what they start before a horse race. Yeah, and it's kind of like too much for me sometimes. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's the only one where I'm like, uh, okay, I can't. Yeah. I don't always skip it though, but I'm just saying this. Yeah, that's one the one I'm not like awful tambourine in it. Yeah. So, so okay, we, we agree on that song. So I, we prefer the voice of the man over that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got to take out the tambourine. I swear to God, it sounds so much better without it. I think this album showed me like and all the research she did and stuff like that like what a music nerd she is kind of like she's creating her own little worlds like the fact that she found like the auto harp or you know like it's like she's this just really creative person right i fully agree i think we could wrap it up i mean we've yeah. gushed enough over uh Please and- <laughs> listen to this. Give this album a try. Maybe it will be your most listened to album for 2022. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Definitely. You could find me at all social medias under Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me on what? A couple Instagram and Spotify as Sister Santos. Oh, you can find me on Duolingo as Sister Santos too. I started oh. practicing Brazilian Portuguese. <laughs> Oh, nice. Duolingo. There you go. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs>